You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. This show contains information about injuries to riders competing in AMA Supercross, AMA Motocross, MXGP, Ozpro MX, and other international moto events. The information discussed may be unsettling to some listeners. It might be incomplete or based on medical opinions due to riders tending to hide the details of their injuries. We are here to explain the information and increase injury understanding and visibility for the fans. There might be coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If any of this offends you, turn us off right now. right moto fans i'm not a doctor but i am a physiotherapist and this is the always moto podcast and it's episode 49 i'm your host david hogan we'll be joined later in the show by the always moto contractor and as per usual i don't know why but he hasn't been paid yet can't figure it out anyway this is the always moto podcast and we are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick because that's what a physio does apparently as always on the show, we will be going through all things moto, particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. This week's show, we're talking super motocross from Oakland in that rescheduled round two, the always moto fantasy league on Pulp MX fantasy game, the super motocross emergency department and all the updates that you need to know heading into Arlington. We've got an interview with Carter Stevenson, who's a privateer Kawasaki rider in the AMA Supercross, and he had an injury-riddled year in 2021, and we talk about his recovery during 2022 and getting back onto the race scene in 2023. We also got a segment this week about how to continue training whilst injured. Just got some little tidbits there for you guys and girls out there to help you get through that period of your life that's usually rough and how you can maintain some fitness. So hopefully you get some information out of that. And we've also got a new segment where we're going to have a quick product inspection um, highlights section here uh, that's new for the show this week but bringing the show as always is polar australia um, and look the grid x pro that we've got on our wrist and the inspection that's coming soon here on fullnoise.com.au um, one quick feature i wanted to point out on that this week the automatic lap feature that you can have set into your gps on your motocross profile uh, you can set it so that it will automatically do a lap for you so it will keep your lap times as you go around and show it on the screen you don't have to have anyone holding the pit board and with a stopwatch anymore. You can do it all by yourself using the Polar Grit X Pro. Also, big thanks to Slantboard Guy. Um, I've been using the Slantboard and the new Flex 2.0 board in the gym. I'm doing my squats on it. I'm doing some lunges on it. I've actually started to use it a lot more for my stretching. Found a few different ways to use it for, for my calf stretches and for just getting into some different awkward, different positions that you know would normally be awkward um, and maybe not get a, as good of a stretch. I've been stretching a lot on the slant board. Uh, and for Always Moto podcast listeners, remember they've got that 10% discount in place. Uh, you've got to use the code AlwaysMoto at checkout. And for both Polar Australia and for the slant board guy, if you want to check out those shops, please use the link in the show notes and I'll get you straight there from our Always Moto screens. 
As always, we still need your support with some merch purchases. Uh, help support the show. Rock our show out at the next race. Uh, we've got the Always Moto t-shirts that are $25 plus postage and handling. Send us an email to info at alwaysmoto.com. Put t-shirt order in the subject line. Send us the size and, we, and your address and we will get back to you about payment via PayPal. Now, speaking of that PayPal... If you're able to support the show, please do so. You can jump on our Always Moto PayPal account, uh, link in the in the show notes, and leave us a donation, and that will help us keep the lights on here and keep bringing you this awesome content. All right, guys and girls, enough of that intro talk. Let's jump into the show. Hey, guys, it's Matt Moss here. We're tuning in with Always Moto's podcast. All right, we're in and on the show. Uh, Benny, contractor, how we doing, mate? All right, hang on, Dave. Yeah, good man, good man. It's been a been an all right week for me. Um, you know, another fantasy win over the top of you, so I can't complain. Yeah, I think you got me in both again, but uh, I got over two hundred this week, so that was my goal, and just just got over. <laughs> Did you get two hundred one or something? <laughs> two hundred four, I think. Oh, nice. Yeah, not, I was pretty close then. <laughs> it's a rough game, mate. I tell you what, everyone jumped on the mossy train this last week, and. Uh, didn't go so well for most, but I thought I'd dodge that one and uh, went a different way and I got screwed anyway. So, you know, what can you do? Yeah, no, he got 50 or 50% pick trend or whatever it was. And yeah, we only got 11 points, but that's all right. When he comes back, I'll pick him again. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think if a lot of people will, cause he showed a fair bit of speed, he actually did really well uh, in that, that heat race, you know, to, to run where he did and sort of, Hold, he was sort of that middle group, wasn't he? Like he wasn't quite the Jet, the you know Pierce and Cameron and RJ pace, but he was the next guy. He was that next group, so he was he was in there, and that was you know what he said three days on the bike, so it's got to be got to be better to come the next round. Yeah, that's right, and he had a good start in the race too, but then just ended up uh, injuring that thumb. But yeah, and hopefully. Uh, I know he's come back to Australia, um, but yeah, hopefully they get him a bike and hopefully he can get some practice in for the next few weeks and go back over there and show up again. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they'll get him a bike as such. Like I know he was talking about that, but honestly, as as long as he's doing laps, like he'll have his his YZ four fifty from from Oz Supercross here. As long as he's doing laps on something on a supercross track, I think you'll find he'll be heaps better come next time because he he'll he'll have the taste for it now. You know, like he was there, he did semi well. He'll be into it. He'll be right up a drain pipe now, mate. So I don't think that'll be a concern for him. Yeah, no, that's right. All right. Um, what else did you think of Oakland? I thought it was a bit of an interesting round for for the track build. I like that track. Uh, it was a pretty good that run that they had that massive long rhythm that sort of went around one corner was was a nice setup, and the double whoop section with the dragons back in the middle really gave the guys some stick, which was awesome. But I like the fact that it just sort of it broke down. It had ruts. It it just looked like a real track to me. Yeah, no, the big long rhythm section was good, and the uh, the little little doubles around that bend there gave them uh, something to think about. And then yeah, the whoop section into the dragons back and then the next bit um was interesting and yeah it would have been a fair bit of arm pump going on i reckon but the the part for me where webb did that um quad over the table i think it was out of that just might have been out of that corner line. yeah just before the finish yeah line, yeah, yeah. and uh i was looking at it wondering all day you know is someone going to do it and then um 
yeah, he pulled it out with uh, 14 minutes into the main or something, I think I saw. Mm. So uh, I thought more people would have done it, but, yeah, I think he was the only one. I think by that point, like, people probably thought about it, but then as soon as the track breaks down, those sorts of big jumps become a bit of a you know iffy moment because you're going to drag pegs because you're going to hit that face a lot harder to do it and you're going to you know obviously compress the suspension more into the face and then your pegs get closer to drag and so I think a lot of people will start you know getting the willies on some of the other jumps they didn't want to risk it so he obviously found a way to do it which was cool and he definitely definitely was faster through that section because of it yeah that's right and it 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 looked cool too. It did, yeah, it did. You uh, definitely did well, but um, on those whoop sections, did you notice? And I've got this down in our notes here about Jet being ridiculously fast. But did you notice Jet and Eli? I think it was in the heats, and I definitely noticed it in the in practice earlier in the day, very early in the morning. But in the heat races, Jet and Eli, when they got on that second set of whoops, did you notice how they sort of they seemed to like lock in? And then they went warp speed. Like they had way more pace than anybody else, but it was just the way they seemed to lock in onto the bike and just absolutely nail those that second set of whoops. Yeah, no, and they're, they're both, you know, they're both good in the whoops, but um, yeah, they're just a different type of beast. They just, you know, like you said, lock in and just go as quick and as good as they can and they just make up, you know, you make up a fair bit of time there. They seem to just have this intensity, but like, like so the way I said, they locked in. Like it just like they came to that section, and you can watch them in whoops normally, and you know everyone looks sort of similar in the sense that their body position gets at a certain point. They're on the balls of their feet, but just there's something about the way they then hit the first one. They 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 got into it, and then it's like they went even harder than they normally would. It's like they felt they could just they had the the grip, the stability, whatever it was, but both of them had this sort of posture. If you go back and watch the heat races, you'll see what I'm talking about. And it's just the the, the rider that they were passing at the time. I think Eli passed um Chase in that section. And I think Jet passed somebody too. And they just they you could just see the body position change and the and the intensity change and like the elbows sort of go just a tiny bit higher. But it was impressive to watch. Obviously, as the in the main events, they weren't able to do that sort of pace through there because of all the, the cupping of the whoops and the ruts in the whoops. But those heat races, that really stood out to me that they just had it on lock. Yeah, and I think early a lot of people were jumping them anyway. Um, so for them to, you know, be doing that in the heat races and then uh, I think they did it a bit in the race as well until it was really bad, um, probably more for Tomac than anyone. Um, yeah, they just, like I said before, they made up so much time in that area. Yeah, they definitely did. Now, what did you think of uh, Sexton's crash there in the main? Do you think it was the normal situation for him, just brain fart and throwing away? Or, you know, it's, what, the fifth time now, something like that, that it's happened? He's in the lead, he's sort of got a comfortable gap, and he ends up on the ground. Yeah, I don't know. It. You know, it, it, like you said, it's happened so many times now. Um, and I, you know, he must just hate the fact it happens every time. But I don't know. It just looked like he, you know, it was everything was normal. And then it just, you know, he just got shot off. Um, I don't know whether it's just a bit of brain lapse or what. I don't know what it is. It's weird though. And it needs to stop because it's just, you know, 
he's not that far away with the points, but if you just keep doing that, that gap, gap's just going to grow that little bit bigger each time. Yeah, that, he won't get there if he keeps doing it. But I think there's a point where, one, he figures it out and it stops happening and he closes that down because I feel like if he gets one, he'll get two or three. But like la- the other week at Tampa when Webb got him, I think that was just a that was a mental error that he should have changed his line in the whoops and he shouldn't have been trying to blitz through that V of the whoop line there because that caught him out big time. But this one, did you watch it closely? Because I've tried to look at it a bit, but I haven't seen his – I can't quite pick up his foot position. But my first thought when I watched it live was that he, I thought he must have downshifted on that face as he was landing down into the, you know, into the pocket there. And that might have just broke traction enough for him to then have the back end go around in circles on him like it did. So I don't know if that was yeah. the case. I couldn't quite pick up his foot and see if he was actually, you know, shifting down or not. But then the other thing, I saw, I caught it from a from the other side of the bike, so the 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 um, rear brake side of the bike. There was an angle, and it looked like he just landed literally in the bottom. Like he said, he landed perfectly on the downside. But you, if you watch it closely, it looks like he actually hits right in the bottom of the of the jumps, and just completely compresses the suspension. And it like it just breaks sideways when it actually hits that point, and it just there's no no chance for him. Like if he had been like three inches back on the jump, he would have downsided it smoothly. But if he had been three inches further, he probably would have started going up the face of the next one, uh, and might have had a different problem there. But he just you know it's all timing at that point. But it just looked like he just disappeared into the into the stroke at that section. So the other thing we were going to check on, uh, unfortunately, there was that crash for Phil Nicoletti, and we talk about his injury in the emergency department later in the pod, but uh, you popped up the picture in our notes about things to talk about of Phil that he's had from his Instagram. He's in the hospital room, or in the hallway, it looks like, actually, in the, in the, in the hospital, and he's strapped up to something. And you go, Can you explain this to me? And uh, for those who haven't looked at it, check out the photo on Phil's Instagram st- um, uh, post that he's put up about... Oakland it's the second or third photo in and he's in a hospital bed and he's got his arm up like he's doing a stop sign and all it is is that he's strapped to an IV pole with some weights and he's in a finger contraption device to to hold his arm in a position now uh, you were saying Benny you weren't sure what that was all to do with yeah no from the picture it's just he's got his fingers in like a Chinese finger trap thing that you see uh, and yeah, hang into an IV pole, and that's it. There's no, you know, explanation for the non-medical-minded people. So <laughs> that's why I asked you what was going yeah, on. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if you noticed too, but it, it's sort of your first look. You might just sort of blank over it and think it's part of the bed, but on his actual bicep is um, some weights hanging off his bicep to hold his arm down as well. So they're trying to basically traction the wrist joint um, now. Because it's the, I gather from his, uh, I saw on the Club MX YouTube, you know, the, the vlogs they've been doing, I caught the end of it. He was on the very end of it talking about the injury and he said that he had a, a ulnar lunate dislocation, which the lunate is one of the, the small wrist bones and the ulnar obviously being the outside of your arm, your forearm bone. But he's obviously dislocated the lunate, so he's torn the ligament there and it's dislocated out. Now, because it's not sitting, the whole row of the, of the wrist bones isn't sitting displaced from the radius and older they can just do this tractioning idea um but i was saying before we hit record when we're talking about this a little bit 
the picture that is put up there is a very American style technique where they, you know, they hang you up and literally use gravity and just wait for it to sort of settle back into place. When you you'll relax over the time that you're in there, you might be in there for a couple of hours. Um, you'll relax; it'll all sort of settle back in, and then they'll take an X-ray and, and check that it's all in place, and you, and they'll cast you up, send you off to a specialist to see if you need any work done or not. In Australia, they would more than likely X-ray you, go, oh, it's dislocated put you under anesthetic and put you in a surgical room and just pull it and push it back in the place, take an x-ray and go, yep, it's back in and then, you know, un- let you come out of the sedation just so it happens quicker and easier. But probably an American medical system's there and that's probably an extra cost, whereas this doesn't cost all that much to do, so. Yes, and he doesn't look like he's enjoying it one bit either, so. Well, could you imagine? He's probably uh, sat there. It's probably like the fourth hour he's been sitting there waiting for his arm to dangle and run all the blood out of it. His hands got to be numb as at this point because he won't be able to feel it. There'd be no blood in those fingertips. And, yeah, he'd be bored shitless. Yeah, that's – yeah, it wouldn't have been nice. No, but – so it sounds like he has torn a ligament in that wrist joint there as well. So he's going to have to get that repaired, which that's at least six weeks of, you know, in a, in a cast or a brace – and then probably six weeks of him trying to get strength back in that. Um, so that's his Supercross season done, I would dare say. Yeah, and he uh, he missed out last year um, with an arm problem as well. So that's two years in a row now that he won't uh, won't finish the Supercross season and be on the back end going into motocross if he does end up and going the 450 again for the motocross yeah it's been disappointing for him because he's actually been doing you know he's been riding pretty well in the supercross events it just it keeps biting him for whatever reason so yeah it's it stuffed his motocross season last year hopefully this doesn't stuff him up for this year but we'll have to see see how the recovery goes and what ends up being how much work he ends up needing to get you know how many ligaments he tore basically is is the question there is this how stable that wrist will be when he um when he comes out the other end so anyway poor phil all right. Um, other injuries this week, not from the AMA. Uh, most people probably on Instagram would have seen or heard the Tim Geyser injury. Did you see that video in the end where he's just sky skying it out on that Honda of his? Yeah, no, it was a weird crash. He was just like shooting to the moon and then just bang on the ground. Do you think he forgot that that was like a, you know, he, he was meant to double you know, jump it, but he, like, he forgot and he was trying to send the whole thing at some point and then he sort of half backed out of it or something because it was, everyone was sort of jumping into that little pocket and then jumping over the next bit, but he looked like he went high enough to triple the whole damn thing. I just, I don't understand how he got in that position so high yet so short. Yeah, no, it sort of looks like he may have just forgotten where he was on the track or, like you said, went for it and then mid-air, or like on the face of the jump has gone up, you know, realised what he's about to do and backed out of it and then, yeah, just landed how he did. Um, Yeah, it wouldn't have been a nice feeling being up in the air knowing that, you know, you're about to hit the ground pretty hard. No, that one's the – that's the moment. Like he didn't even roll up the windows, as they say, when you're floating through the air, usually flapping your arms. He sort of still held onto the bike and just sort of slowly fell down and he would have been – he would have known what was coming at that point. He would have been thinking about it because he was up there for quite some time, which is never a good feeling. If you've ever floated that high and known you're not going to land on the bike, it's, it's an ugly ugly thought in your head as you're coming down because you know something's going to break. 
But yeah, so he's broken a femur there. He's going to be out for quite some time. Femurs, depending on the t- technique they do to repair them, usually it's a, a rod that goes down. They call it a pedi- uh, femoral uh, intramedullary um, nail that goes down the length of your femur inside the bone and then they just screw it off top and bottom to stabilize it and stop it rotating. And that's like a five-month process for that to recover and, you know, get back to normal. So he's he's definitely out for a while. I'd be surprised if anything less of that happens. But, um, yeah, not a good way for him to defend the World Championship being out at the first uh, preseason race. So, anyway. Another weird one, and, and I think you sent this to me as well at some point, Benny. Um, Dean Wilson's knees are ugly. I've got to tell you, they're ugly. <laughs> they are, and they don't look any better with a big lump on them. Mate, I've seen some bad knees in the clinic. His take the cake. They're just there's just some weird stuff going on with his knees. Like obviously he's had a lot of issues with them. He's torn ACLs. I think, I think he's up to five, like three in one and two in another. And I, I'm not sure if one of them's actually even got an ACL anymore. He's just sort of working around it, and that might explain this swelling pocket. He basically had a golf ball sticking out the inside of his knee which is horrid. I just, I don't know how he still does what he does, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, like I said, when I sent it to you, it wasn't very nice. Um, and yeah, just after that much, um, oh, what would you call it? After that much trauma to your knees, um, I would think that walking around isn't uh, nice for him. And um, then, yeah, having big eggs on the side of your knees doesn't help either, especially when they need to be drained. Yeah, well, that's all intracapsular swelling that's just popped out the side. So that medi- that was medial swelling. It's um, it's probably to do with a ongoing meniscal tear that is catching and just causing issues. And every time he catches it, he pulls a little bit more of it up. It creates that swelling pocket just straight out the side. But getting it drained every time, that's not nice either. Like that's a needle into the leg. And then we're talking probably 50 to 100 mils of fluid that they're going to get drained out of that every time to get it to go back to some sort of normal size, not have a golf ball out the side. So it can't be fun. Every time they come at you with a needle, you'd just be cringing. But, yeah, he's not going to win knee model of the year or anything like that, that's for sure. No, but I think um, I think he probably prefers knee problems more than the uh, foot peg to the behind oh yeah Uh, i take the knee problems every day that 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 thing last year oh my god that wasn't good yes no it was pretty ugly and um it went on for a long time so yeah i think you'll take the knee problems over that any day mind you with even that knee picture you know how um instagram and that they'll put up like they'll blur the picture and say graphic warning on it i'm surprised that didn't get like a graphic warning because that's ugly that's seriously ugly even for me i've seen some weird shit in the clinic that was still an i'm like oh that's a horrible sight you know yeah and i've seen not things not as bad as that and they've had that warning over it so you're right i'm surprised it doesn't have that warning yeah anyway maybe next time maybe maybe they'll hear the hear the podcast and they'll they'll run on there next time anyway all right quick little update too i've I've just grabbed grabbed the the quick overview of the stats this year for the west the east and the 450 classes interestingly enough we've obviously had a few more west races than we have east at this point i think we're four and two but we've got 27 injuries on the West Coast already and 13 on the East. And those numbers are just insane. 
And in the 450 class, we've got 22 injuries for the six rounds so far completed. It's, it's nuts. With 63 total injuries, with 10.5 injuries per round we're averaging, which is just an insane amount of injuries these guys are getting. And I just don't know how it's going to slow down because these guys are putting themselves through hell, it seems, to get out on the track. And two guys that are definitely putting themselves through hell, RJ Hampshire and Cameron McAdoo, I, I don't know how either of them managed to get onto the track, let alone onto the podium at Oakland this past weekend. Well, even when they both fell off that night, um, I don't even know how they... Well, McAdoo fell off in practice and then ended up racing. And then, yeah, um, Hampshire came off in that last triple crown, uh, last one or the middle one? Second one he and fell then, off in, yeah. yeah. Still raced that last one. So even then... I don't know how they raced, let alone, you know, they only had a week off or two weeks off and then straight back into it this week. Um, yeah, I really don't know how they do it. Did you notice um, RJ's colour on the podium? You know how he's late to, <clears throat> you know how he's late to the podium, they had to take Cameron's interview first. Did you notice how his colour in his face when he got there? No, I can't say I did. I'm not actually sure if I watched that interview or not. All right. When if you get a chance to look at it, if you get a chance to look at it, have a look at pictures of him. You know, in other events, in his face, and then have a look at that one because I felt as soon as he popped up on the screen, I felt he was pale, and that's for me that's a sign of his um, his blood issue that he's getting there with the spleen injury that he had. Now I don't know the details too much of his spleen injury, whether it was just a minor you know inflammation or if he actually cut it. Um, but I know for me, I lost my spleen in the crash in Hadar a couple of months back, and, and it's you know caused a few weird things for me. But if he was dealing with an inflamed spleen, that, that look that he had of that paleness would fit for that for me. Um, so, yeah, I, was just, I looked at it and went, oh, he's not well still. And, but then, but then he somehow he's on a 450 training this week and he's going to do some 450 races. You'd think the guy would take a week or two to have a recovery. Yeah, especially, um, yeah, like he said, I think they were a bit quiet with that injury and then he sort of got on the podium and said what was wrong. But, yeah, you'd think that he'd have maybe a week and a half, two weeks just to have a bit of a break and then get back into it. But, uh, no, straight back out and uh, on the big bike. Yeah, that just doesn't make sense to me, that one. I don't know. I don't know whether he's directing that or if somebody else at the team is, but... Surely they can give him at least a week of just do nothing, you know, sit down and take a rest, mate, have a breather, you know, get yourself back in order, then go ride a 450. But I don't know, that, that he seems keen. So, And one, the other guy, obviously McAdoo, his left arm, the size of that thing was like Popeye. And for him to be back, and it looked like to be at a pretty normal size, like obviously we didn't get a, you know, a clear picture of just his arm without any gear on, but... It didn't look to be too bad, and he looked to be, you know, reasonably comfortable on the bike. But I can guarantee you, the the week or two after Anaheim, the treatment that he would have had to go through would have been so uncomfortable. It would not have been fun at all. Yeah, no. Being the size that it was, um, the amount of stuff that I think he had done to it, just to get him to some point, um, which in the end he didn't do too bad, but. Yeah, it wouldn't have been a nice uh, two weeks for him to sit there and have all that done. No, he, he mentioned that he was trying to avoid compartment syndrome. And for those that don't know, compartment syndrome is where 
the muscle itself gets injured or a trauma to it and creates a swelling but it stays within the fascia that's like the bag that covers the muscle and it can't get out of it but it swells so much that it then constricts every other vessel and you know object in that area of the arm or the leg where it's happened and so you know the blood can't get out and it just traps it all and it, it can actually you know cause nerve damage and and other you know um, tissue death be below that point so he was lucky he didn't get to that point because the swelling in that thing was huge it's just obviously that he had enough a broad swelling that was happening not just a single point that it, it occurred at so but watching watching that crash from him in the whoops i can't understand how it managed to get so big so i don't know what what point he hit in all of it as he went through that motion but yeah it was the arm did just looked ugly and he would have been under so much so much pain having treatments done to it, getting it drained, getting it massaged out, you know, have probably having to sit in like ice baths and stuff trying to get it swelling down. It would have been a, a shit couple of weeks for him. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, like it's obviously a lot better now, but just going back to the compartment syndrome, I think when Kenny had his arm injury, I think they had to Similar situation, yeah. He was involved with that too. Yeah, and I think they actually had to intervene, like you know, a few times because it was that bad. Well, when they when it gets really bad, um, they actually have to cut open the skin and let the muscle just swell out into the open um, until it stops swelling, basically. So it'll just think of like a sausage on a barbecue, and you cut the side of it out, and it just spews the inside out. That's what's happening. Um, and you've got to let that happen and let it go to the point that it's, it's run out of fluid and it actually then finally gets to the point it starts to recover and shrink back down until, the, you know, so it could be a couple of days, couple of, a couple of weeks that you have this open wound before you can stitch it back up, before it's at a size that you can actually close it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a real shit situation. But, yeah, Kenny had that situation with his arm there, um, I think twice or so through that process. So it's not a good thing to go through. It can be really bad and can lead you to losing like your hand or your foot. So, yeah, it's a, it's a bad situation. Yeah, not, uh, not very nice. No. Now, another one that was interesting this week was Jerry Robin. Um, we've been in touch with Jerry this week, actually, and I'm trying to get him onto the podcast for next week or two. Um, but Jerry managed to get some screws loose. Not in his head, they were in his hand. He had an old fracture in his uh, hand there that he had a plate and some screws and somehow he's managed to have them come loose and the plate then bend. So he's had to actually, you know, had a little, basically had a little golf ball on the back of his hand um, and ended up having to get that plate removed, which is interesting because it's just like having a fracture. You've just got to wait the six weeks for them to fill back in once they take those things out, but... I've had plenty of people in the clinic come up to me and go, oh, I've had this old injury, but I feel like I can feel the screw heads and I'll, I'll rub the top across the top and I'll go, yep, that's a Phillips head. Just let me go get the toolbox and I'll get, get one out and I'll tighten it back up for them. And usually by that point, their jaw hits the ground and thinks you can do that. But then I tell them that, no, sorry, that's just a joke, you know. But um, it does happen for lots of people. The plates and screws will come out if you're not careful. Yeah, and I can actually speak for those people because I can feel mine in my arm and it's not nice. So, Is it uh, a Phillips head or is it an Allen key head? <laughs> I'm not sure. I can't feel. Uh, try, try a bit harder. <laughs> I'm sure you'll tell. I, I, I could tell if, if I was able to you know, grab onto it right now. But, yeah, it's, it's always cool when you can tell which one it is because you like some people it comes out really far and starts to protrude. 
and you can actually almost see it. So yeah, you'll you'll be you'll be able to figure it out. Have a go at it later. Yeah, no, no, mine aren't loose, but yeah, I can feel the plate as it is. So I can can only imagine what um yeah a loose a loose one would feel like, and you know in where it is in the back of his hand. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't be very nice. No, no, it it would suck. So he got that out. He's all fixed up. He's on the mend. But, yeah, he'll be six weeks before he's back on the bike and back at an event, which I think will be the Seattle round for the West Coast guys is their next one. So he's got a bit of time. In other news, before we jump into the Always Moto Fantasy League, um, just a little update. I got sent through some stuff that was embargoed um, by an electric vehicle brand. Now, obviously, we did some Stark testing last year. Um, Been keeping an eye on the Flux um, Primo, we did that podcast with Marco Yakota. There's some more electric vehicle news here. There's a company called Graft, which is interesting. Graft, I don't know if it stands for something or if it means anything to somebody, but Graft is an electric vehicle. They've got a dirt bike coming out. It's the EO.12, and, and I'm not sure how they want to pronounce that or if it's EO or E0, but anyway, EO.12. Um, it's pretty much looking like one of those cake model motorcycles, if anyone knows the cake electric bikes it looks this thing looks similar to that for me it's that sort of futuristic electric look um but no like there's stats on it it's obviously very light they're going to use carbon fiber wheels um which is a more of a mountain bike thing for me i don't know if you know anything about that benny but um mountain bikes have carbon wheels no that's uh out of your league Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's out of my league. Yeah, but yeah, so that's a different one. But um, they've supposedly got some media tests happening in late April, which were in the states and in in the UK. So we're going to see if we're going to do anything with that, or they they mentioned that they might have one out in Australia at some point later in the year. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. But if you want to read the full details of it, I've got a got a little article with a press release and just a little comment on it. Uh, coming out on fullnoise.com.au. It should be out tomorrow, which would be Friday Australia time. So by the time you're hearing this, you should be able to find it on Full Noise. So check it out and see what you think. Uh, got a couple of pictures on there from from the press release images. Um, it's a different looking bike, that's for sure. But it's um, not not in the vein of the Stark or the or the Flux, but it's more that sort of electric. You'll see, when you see it, you'll know what I mean. It's an electric vehicle look for the dirt bikes that have come out originally. So yeah, something different there to just to sort of Put point some uh, other information out there. All right, let's get to the fun part. Pulpamex Fantasy League and Always Moto Fantasy. How'd you go, Benny? You, you mentioned your score. It wasn't that flush. Is it the fun part or is it the bad part? I'm just not sure anymore. Well, you, you, came, uh, you came out in the beginning of the year all keen and mustard. You know, I'm going to beat you with this. Just make sure I cover, cover you off sort of thing to me. And I think you've got me once out of six rounds and I, as soon as i say this it'll screw me over and i'll lose but you know like i got to take the wins when i've got them i think i'm five one up now aren't i uh yeah i think so um but no nah, i'm still keen i'm loving it <laughs> um, especially, especially now we uh opened up the group chat through uh instagram which if you're not a part of make sure you message us so you can get into it but uh yeah no the chat went wild on uh race day and I know you weren't watching live, so you probably missed half of the. I missed some of, of it. Chat. I scrolled back through it, and there was some funny stuff in there. But yeah, I wasn't able to watch live on the weekend, but I caught some of it at the beginning uh, when I was watching practice. But yeah, that was the whole point of that that group chat was to get that sort of 
the day before and the day of um, that banter about what team should be. This guy screwed me. That guy screwed me. But it ended up on the first few days that we opened up the chat, obviously we were, everyone was getting to know each other and sort of pointing out a few things. There was some cool stuff that came up in there. So it was really interesting. It was a good group of guys that we've got in there. Anybody in the league but should be getting in touch and joining in with the chat. It's um, pretty cool. And a couple of the Fantasy League sponsors are in there as well. We've got um, Paul from Helltex in there. Uh, we've got Nath from Goat Brands in there. And I think... I think I dropped in another one as well. I can't remember who the other one is at this point. But, um, yeah, there were a couple of the sponsors are in there too. So if you've got any questions about their gear and stuff, they're in the chat as well. So, yeah, come and join it. Yeah, I think you you created the chat. And I think within 10 minutes I have to turn, I had to turn my notifications off because <laughs> they just wanted to stop me. But that's good. That's what we want. We created a monster. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. Uh, it's all good, mate. But I, I quite enjoyed the, the conversation was good. So, yeah, it's worthwhile at this point. So, yeah, anyone want to join, let us know. Send us a DM on Instagram, um, either to, to, to the contractor here. He's got Grino22 is his Instagram. You can DM. He can get you into the group or send us, an, send us a DM to Always Moto, um, and I can get you into the group as well. Um, but just quickly, we still, we've got the 110 players in the league, which is awesome. If you're an Australian listener... Um, or an Australian reader on the full noise, you can DM me and I can still get you in just because we've got the extra added uh, couple of Aussie um, companies that are still trying to get. We've got one of them on now, which is Bolt Everywhere, um, but there's two others that are potentially coming on board here still. So um, we're giving the Aussies a chance to get some of these extra prizes here in the near future. So, yeah, send me a DM if you want to get into the league if you haven't already joined it. Um, but for those that are in it, we've got about 25 of you now that have sent through your emails, so you're eligible for prizes. You've got to email us to fantasy at alwaysmoto.com with your pulp username and your Instagram username or at least your first and last name off your email. So we know who you are and we can send you the prizes um, when, it, when and if you do win something. So, yeah, make sure you do that as well. We're still trying to catch up with the ever... Other 80-odd people, so, yeah, keep an eye on it. Now, your overall score, Benny? I got 204. So my goal goal this week was to get over 200, and, uh, yeah, I just did that. Uh, could have been a bit better, but, yeah, just just got over. Yeah, well, I only went 216, but my, my team was pretty good, and I like I said earlier, I dodged. Matt Moss, because I thought he might have just one bad one here, and he did. I was proven right, but I picked an even worse one. In I picked Derek Kelly here, and he got two points. So that was my, my faux pas. I still had my eight is great. I think I had to get Dylan Walsh from the LCQ, which was so I couldn't get my eight from the Heats as Bliss. But uh, still got eight is great. But, yeah, I missed out on Derek Kelly getting any points for me, unfortunately. Yeah, so what did you say you got? 216? 216, yeah. And I didn't do any first lap leaders, thanks very much. Yeah, so my first lap leaders that I chose obviously didn't get it. <laughs> and if I hadn't have picked those, I would have been on 218. Well, look, coulda, shoulda, woulda, and was it ifs and buts were candy and nuts, you know? You, you didn't get it, so... Yeah. So just, just keep that in mind, people. That's, you know, I could have beat Dave this week, but because I got greedy, uh, yeah, I'm a few points down again on this, you're this week. To, so. You're trying to claw back the overall points, which you're only on 1220 and I'm on 1344. So I think that's where you're getting greedy, mate. You're trying to make up chunks in one hit. you got to just, you got to accumulate. 
Yeah, but you know, you're always you always pick Jet for first to the finish line, especially with the whoop sections that we had. But wasn't to be. Mm. Yeah, no, he wasn't going to go ape on that first lap. I don't think at Oakland, so was it wasn't as it wasn't smooth enough and flat enough for that to to occur. But um, yeah, you can you can probably try and pick a first lap leader this time. You'll at least have three options at it, mate. Yeah, that's right. Um, you got three races, three chances, and um, yeah, just that's it. Yeah, it's the only time a lot of people will pick them, and um, I just get like I said, I just get a bit greedy and just pick both or just pick one. But yeah, triple crowns are definitely the time to pick. So, who do you think with this Arlington round being triple crown for the first lap leader for the East Coast guys? Who do you think? is the safe pick to get at least one of those three hole shots? Well, the first round I picked Thrasher because he's not too bad of a starter mm. and we know how that ended. And then the next week he got the hole shot. He got the first to the finish line. So you could think of him. Um, Jordan Smith's not a bad starter, but I think, if anyone, you're probably looking at Hunter, VL, or uh, yeah, I don't know. Probably only really those two. Maybe Anstey, but I've seen his starts be pretty hor- horrible at times too. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Anstey's going to do it, and I, I'm not. Hunter's okay, but he's real hit and miss. Um, I think VL, and I might even say something like a Deegan, you know. That light pocket rocket, young kid, eager as beans. Surely he's got to get one of them. So, yeah, I think Vial or Deegan might be my picks. Um, you're not, not off the money on Thrasher. I think he could do it too. Um, I wouldn't be picking Jordan Smith. So, but, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I always toy with the first of finish lines in, in, the, uh, in, in the, the Triple Crown events, but I never do it on a, um, on a regular weekend. So, I've got to think about it a bit harder this this next few days before the race on the weekend. So, yeah, I'll have to work that one out. Yeah, well, I've got VL and Sexton um, as my FFLs. So, there we go. He's gone in deep. Righto. Yeah. All right. Uh, Any... Oh, I've missed any of that. Any, any of um, anything stands out for you for for this week with picks? Obviously, we we, we got the um, triple crown, so you'll know who's in the races if you're watching practice. Um, so you should only be picking those teams in the last sort of two hours before the lockout. Uh, but anything stand out for you at this point? Um, not yet. Uh, like we said, I probably need to just watch practice and qualifying and, and see who's in and then decide. Um, but if you can look and find the good starters and they're not too bad, then I think that's probably what I'll base some of my picks around um, and just try not get too greedy with the 11 handicaps. <laughs> not try and take the chunk out of it, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how this one will go, but I, I kind of like the idea of an Adam Cincerullo in this one if he's looking okay because he's not an all star this week. He's got a handicap of three. I feel that might get some points being shorter races. You know, he can start pretty well usually. I I, I got a feeling AC. If you can pick him, he might be worthwhile this week. Yeah, no, he always gets 
you know, pretty much gets good starts and it's not uh, 20 minutes plus a lap. Uh, last two weeks haven't been that great, although he did get barshed last week. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and then came off again. Um, but, yeah, no, he's he'll probably end up on my team. Um, there's a bit of bias there too, so that's sort of part of the reason why he'll end up on my team. But, uh, yeah, no, good starter, so it's one to look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I think that's enough of our fantasy talk for now. But, yeah, if you want to get in that, that uh, group chat, send us a message. We can add you to it. Um, but, yeah, look, the sponsors and the, the prizes, as soon as we tie up these last two possible sponsors coming in, we'll announce when we're going to start doing some uh, random prizes for the rounds. We're not doing round winner prizes. We're going to have, like, position picks for the round. Uh, and then we'll have a over, couple of overall prizes. But... Uh, we'll get to that soon as we have these things last bits locked in place. But for the ones that are in in now and already part of this uh, Always Moto Fantasy League, thank you. Um, and that's Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia and Bolt Everywhere. We really appreciate those guys being on board. Uh, it makes the league just a little bit more interesting because you've got a prize to sort of work towards and to actually not just have the bragging rights like I do over Benny at the moment, but uh, actually get something for your hard work at the end of it. So, yeah, thanks for those guys being on board. All right, Benny, I think uh, I think that's it for this segment part of the show. We'll uh, take a break and we'll be back in just a sec. I'm Brayton Carroll, riding for Team TCD, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. Now let's jump into, we're going to sort of use the segment about medical jargon to just to go through a little bit of a, a rehab whilst injured and trying to maintain your fitness segment. So check it out here. Hey doc, is it broken? Aye, it's fractured. So you're telling me it's cracked? Aye, undisplaced non-union. Come again please doc. This is medical jargon explained for motor riders. Well, hopefully it's explained, but in this case, we're going to talk about what you can do to maintain your fitness whilst you're rehabbing your injury. There's plenty of times that, you know, you'll have a, a simple injury, say it's a collarbone fracture, say it's a hand fracture, and there's heaps of things you think, oh, I should be able to still do that. Um, and you're just not sure if you should or, or, or what's the easiest way to do it so that you can keep some fitness so that when you get back to that four to six week mark and you finally get cleared that says, yes, my, my bone's healed, you can go back and do normal activities again, but you haven't lost all that all those gains you've made in the weeks before you know, from the training and the riding. You don't want to just have everything just go back to zero. So there's plenty of things you can do. For me, obviously, I'm in the middle of all these sorts of things with rehab and trying to get fitness and maintain fitness whilst I'm getting all these injuries worked on for myself. I've had different phases where I had all of my injuries at once and I had to continue to build back up and even just get some movement back because I was, you know, almost almost in a wheelchair when I came out of the uh came out of the first batch of, from the injury. Uh, but then I had points where I'd built all the way back up my fitness, almost to the point where I'd be ready to race, and then I had to go through the next procedure. So 
it's it's for me all of this comes back to a bit of a mentality and a little bit of communication with your treating specialists and treating doctors about what you can and can't do and what they will permit you to do and not do in those periods of recovery because some of them are very strict and they don't understand that you might be trying to be or you might be an athlete or you might just be a very you know um, you're not so much as a, a community or not a community a um what's the way a weekend warrior as such as as an athlete but you might be there doing it quite regularly and you know quite committed to you to your training and such weekly so if you can bring up that with them and then understand what it is that they want you to do or not do to begin with that's the first step and then you've got to work with someone like myself as a physio or an ep exercise physiologist or even as even a basic trainer might be able to help you with this side of things but to design something that you can do safely whilst not causing yourself any more damage to the existing injury causing yourself to fall over whilst doing it and cause yourself another injury and you've got to be aware of fatigue whilst you're training with a with an injury because if you go into too much into the red zone your body's already working extra hard whilst the injury is recovering to repair that injury you don't need to push your body even more so to try and maintain fitness because you'll then delay your rehab um, and your recovery from that injury. So you've got to monitor things a lot closer whilst you're doing these training sessions and be a bit more smart about how you do things. Um, and sometimes being smart about it means just doing it the safer way and sitting on the machine rather than using a barbell or, or you know standing out in the open and trying to balance on one leg as such. Um, because if you do tip over, you've got one arm to save yourself or maybe you've only got one leg to save yourself, etc. So you've got to be a bit more calculated with how you do things. Now, so let's jump into this. I've got a couple of notes here to make to get across to you guys. In general, there's plenty of options to maintain fitness. The obvious thing here is if it's an arm or a shoulder injury, you can still stationary cycle on a bike. That's the simple one, right? But say you've got a foot injury. Can you still cycle? Well, the answer is generally yes, because if you have got like a broken metatarsal, which is one of the bones of your foot, you'll be in a boot. Now, if you're in the moon boot, if you can modify the hand, the, the seat, the, the foot pedal a little bit, um, you'll be able to get that boot on the pedal. And as long as you're not putting, you know, 100% of your pressure through that, that foot, you're not standing up on the cycle bike, you're just sitting down, using your good side to maintain most of the pressure through the, through the um, cycle rhythm. You can maintain that cycling. You probably need to cut down on it a little bit just so you're not getting any pressure points into that bone. But the boot itself is, is providing you the support and on unloading of the injury so you might be able to continue to ride through. If it's a knee or something, obviously that's a little bit different. You might need to change how you do it or, or the velocity or the seat height. Now, the seat height is an interesting one because if you have something like you are, say a couple of weeks post ACL injury and you're allowed to start doing... Um, walking and cycling and all those sorts of things, but you can't get the revelation around the whole, um, you know, the pedal stroke. You can do half moons and just go halfways there and halfways back using your good side to do the movement. Or you can lift the seat height up a little bit so that you can actually then and pull your foot back in the in the pedal a little bit and cheat with your heel range and get yourself to get over that hump of going the full circumference around the leg cycle. Now, if it is something like your hip or your knee or it's your femur, and you can't actually get onto the bike at that point in time, use your rowing machine. But take off, don't don't sit on the sliding seat. Put just take that part off the machine. Um, have it set up so that you sit sitting on a chair over the top of the the slide rail, and just use your arms to do it. Or if you've got access to a ski erg, 
Um, same thing, rather than standing and pulling down through the stroke with your arms and doing it as a whole body, put a chair in front of you, in front of the machine and just sit on the chair and just use the arms and the core to do the action. It won't be as fast. You won't be setting any personal bests on these sorts of things at these times, but it's maintaining your ability to maintain fitness, right? So you're just trying to aim for lower heart rate zones and just go for a reasonable amount of time. Now, you might be someone who normally does things like 60-minute cycles, you know, 30-odd K or whatever it is. Um, you might be setting, you know, 40-minute 10K rows, um, you know, once or twice a week. Um, all of those things you need to cut down a little bit, right? You don't want to go because that's the fatigue aspect we talked about. You don't want to be pushing zones, you know, five um, at that 10K row more than a couple of you know, every week sort of things whilst you're rehabbing, that's going to send you into the red zone too far and you will delay your recovery of your injury. If you drop back a little bit and stay, say you stay in zones, you know, two or three, maybe occasionally into four um, across that row and you drop that row down from being something like a 10K row down to a two or a 5K and just take your time with it, it's still going to go for a decent amount of time. You're going to maintain your cardiovascular fitness but you're not going to put your body into the red zone and risk delaying your recovery so there's a couple of things there now the next bit we want to i want to mention is swimming is a great one to do and getting in and out of a pool is a mani- is a manageable way to do most of your injuries because the the body weight aspect is reduced significantly you're in almost a weightless environment in the pool if you're you know chest height and down into the water um the main thing with swimming is that you need to make sure that if you've had any surgery done, that your wound is healed. Now, for most people, they say that you've got those waterproof dressings on and they can stay on for about 10 days. And then when they take come off, you can get things wet. Um, that's from a showering point of view for me. Until you can actually probably about three to four weeks is when I would say you can submerge in a pool and get your skin completely soft without risking having that opening that wound opening up or creating a point where infection can get in as well because that's a concern as well so i usually wait a little bit longer than some of the others might recommend um, but that's just based around i don't want an infection i don't want a wound um you know widening any more than it has because as the skin soaks in the water it's it's obviously going to create more um, movement between those things so not a great idea to do too soon, but swimming is a great thing to do early. If you've got a foot or a leg injury, you can get in a pool and just walk around um, and, and vice versa. If you have and, and if you have the leg injury, you can then get in and actually swim laps and just put a you know one of the flotation devices strapped between your knees to hold your legs up to help you get through that swimming motion and you can almost swim freestyle like normal. So it's useful to do. The next thing we want to talk about is being safe in the, in the gym. Say you're in the gym, you got a you know an, an arm injury. There's no point doing something crazy in the gym like you normally would if there's a risk of you falling over or leaning onto your bad side and having to use your bad arm, shoulder, whatever it is, to correct yourself because you risk injuring yourself further. If you have to wear a sling, wear the sling. If you if you're at the point where you 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 can sort of come in and out of the sling, great. Don't wear it, but don't be dumb and standing on things with one leg and then have to overbalance and catch yourself and force yourself to use that arm. Put yourself in a safe position. Have something nearby to hold on to. If that's the wall, great. If that's another piece of equipment that's got a nice handle on it that's within arm's reach, like you know, close reach of your good hand, great. Stand next to it and do the exercise there. 
or hold on to that machine whilst you're doing the exercise. It's taking out some of the balance aspects and the core coordination, yes, but you don't risk falling over and making a situation worse. That would be the dumb idea in the first place. Next thing we want to talk about is when you start these rehab processes, if there's nothing wrong with your core, focus on it as your starting point. If you can do a lot of core work, it will help your balance and maintain your ability to coordinate the movements from your core once you're actually able to get back into full swing. Lots of times you won't be able to lay down onto the floor to do these things um, because you won't be able to get up or down from that position because of your other injuries. Um, find something that's like an elevated plinth. We have them in the, in, the, uh, in the physio clinics all the times, but something like that physio or massage bed that you can lay on that's up higher, that you can just get onto and off of easy. Don't use your bed. It's too soft. It's too low. It, it's too hard to get out of. The plinth is more of a firm position to do things like core sit-ups or leg lifts or, or you know, arm movements in, in supine, which is supine is laying flat on your back, by the way. Um, so, yeah, use those things to do it. Um, and they don't lots of these things don't require a lot of equipment so you just need to have something like the bed you don't have to go out and buy anything special surely somebody around there has have something you can use worst case lay on your kitchen bench just put like something soft across the top of it just you know a little thin foam yoga mat or something so that you can do it up there that'll work just uh if it's if if you're young kids and you're and you're doing this just ask mum and dad first before you do it don't get in trouble with it it's not worth it if you if you're the homeowner who cares just jump up and do it maybe check your wife check with your wife (laughs) and the main part of all of this is your mentality focusing on the pain is difficult right if you focus on the pain it won't enable you to train if you can focus on what you can do as in my left arm is the injured one my right arm's fine what can i do with my right arm you will get through the routines and you'll get through the rehab a lot easier um you have to just have a good focus um, on, on it all because if you can get through these routines and do some extra things um, whilst you're injured, it helps you get past the injury. It helps you recover faster because you're increasing your blood circulation um, so long as we maintain that fatigue aspect we talked about earlier. But you, you're helping decrease um, the swelling. You're bringing fresh blood into the area to help repair it. Um, it's just a general all-round good thing for you and it also helps your mentality because you're going, not going insane sitting there watching the same reruns over and over again on Netflix or whatever. So it's important to do those things. Now, with all that too, you've got to be um, a little bit aware of your pain and, and use that as your guide and if things start to increase, you stop. But you've got to be aware of what medications you're taking as well because that can influence um, your perception of pain and your ability to to balance your ability to stay awake um, and your ability to make sensible decisions too. So keep those things in mind. If you're in a lot of pain and you're on heavy medications, it might not be the greatest idea to do the exercises just yet. You might need to wait until those medications can re- be reduced. So this is where the chatting with your doctor for your advice about dictating, you know, dictates what you should and shouldn't do at what times or someone like a physio who can help you guide through those times as well, like myself. Um, So yeah, just some ideas there, guys and girls, about continuing to train with an injury. Plenty of pro riders will do these sorts of things all the time and come up with crazy ideas themselves to make ways of continuing to train. Like you heard it with um, some of our past um, interviews, they they cut holes in casts to put bone stimulators and sensors in through the cast. Um, There's crazy things that can be done but it's about for, for the general population out there who aren't athletes and still have a day job to go to, it's about just trying to make things 
um, be improved a little bit and done safely so you can continue to have some sort of fitness by the time this is all back to normal. All right, hopefully that gave you some ideas on you know, how to do this. If you have any questions, but please feel free to send us an email to info at alwaysmoto.com and we'll get in touch and talk about, you know, what you could do and maybe we can suggest somebody that you can see locally in your area. But uh, yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to get in touch. All right, let's uh, take a quick break. I'm Kyle Greeson and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. Welcome back, guys and girls. Thanks for sticking around. This is the Always Moto podcast. We're going to jump into the emergency department list that's for Arlington this weekend, which will be round seven of the AMA Super Motocross Series. Now, we're changing up how we're doing this emergency department list this week to see the full list and every rider that is out injured or coming back, please check out fullnoise.com.au. This list here on the podcast this week is going to be the updates that we know. So all the injuries from the last round that have been added to the list and any of those updates that are coming back in. But if you want to see any other statuses on the riders that have been out for a long period of time, check out that list on fullnoise.com.au. Let's jump into the emergency department. The emergency department. All the injuries all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. You do not want to be on this list. I don't care what time of year, where, how, whoever you are, you do not want to be on the emergency department list. It just sucks. For all those people that are injured out there, listening to this show and hearing about their favorite riders that are injured, it's a terrible time in, in your life to be injured. But it gets you get better, you get well, you get back on the bike and all is well again. So it doesn't take too long in most cases. So hang in there. All right, the emergency department list. Let's jump straight to it. Styles Robinson, number 40 on that star racing Yamaha, was MIA at Oakland. Um, unfortunately, he's the general update from him is beat up. I expected he'd be back for the next West Coast round in Seattle, but... Star Racing Yamaha does not provide too much information around injuries and that will be the case on another one on this list later on. John Short, number 73 on that privateer Kawasaki. We checked in with John after Oakland. Uh, he, In his words, he's written, all good, hit hard and just dinged my head. So I believe that that means that he's on a concussion protocol this week. He mentioned to us that he's going to, around Wednesday, he was hoping to ride uh, and see if he's all good, which is part, you know, the part and parcel for the protocol there that we've spoken about on previous shows. So ideally, he will be back at Arlington round seven, but that will pend, depend on him passing those last few sections of the concussion protocol. Joan Cross, number 848 on a privateer Kawasaki, um, in qualifying had a bit of a collision mid-air, ended up on the ground. Uh, he's beat up from that crash. He has a nice facial wound there that you'll see if you check out his Instagram pics. We've checked in with Joan. He's confirmed with us that nothing's majorly injured. He's just obviously very sore, but he expects to be on the gate at Arlington. Derek Kelly, number 41 from that AEO KTM team. Multiple crashes in Oakland, unfortunately, for Derek. Um, both were in the whoop sections. The main one that knocked him out was that last one, or when I say knocked him out, out of the event, not out cold as such. But um, he was that last one crashed in the whoop in the main event, uh, knocked the wind out of him, it seems. But he is all A-OK, just taking a couple of days to recover. He's probably already back on the bike, and he'll be fine for that next West Coast round based on this particular injury. Matt Moss, number 100 on the Bar X Suzuki, who we had on our show last week before his debut ride. 
Everything was looking fantastic for Mossy until he jarred his wrist and thumb. It's an old injury he's had, and it just basically sent him to the point where he just can't hold on. So he had to go recover from that one straight away. So he only did one lap there in the main event, unfortunately. He will be fine. He'll be riding his bike back home in Australia. He's back home already, and he will be ready to go for that next West Coast round. He'll be flying back to the States for that Seattle round. So expect to see a... a a longer-lasting Mossy in the next round when he's there for Barak Suzuki. Dominic Thurry, number 76 on that Team Solitaire Yamaha. Crashing uh, practice at Oakland caused a concussion, unfortunately, for Dominic. Uh, he will be back on the bike in one to two weeks pending him passing the concussion protocol. But he, again, with the time off now between the this that West Coast round and Oakland, and the next one that is in Seattle, which is about five weeks away, he'll be plenty fine by that point uh, in, in the time frame that he's got to recover from. Now, Phil Nicoletti, number 69 on the Club MX Yamaha, crashed in qualify or practice, I think it was, um, dislocated his wrist. And not too much more information than that at this stage for, for Phil. It's a six to eight week injury, depending on what he has um, injured to cause whilst the dislocation occurred. So the dislocation is obviously the bones misaligning from the joint. Now that could either be that his whole wrist, the eight bones of his wrist, end up on top of his radius and older. I've done that in the past. That's not pleasant. Uh, it could be that one of those eight bones dislocates from that ro- those two rows that they're within, and that's you know tearing a ligament as such. If any of those things have occurred, he may need surgery, he may not. Uh, it all depends. So we don't have too much information here, but given it's a six to eight recovery time frame, I suspect that that will be the end of Phil's Supercross season and he'll be trying to get just, just get ready for round one of outdoors that will start in late May. Kyle Chisholm, number 11 on that HEP Twisted Suzuki. Unfortunately, got a bit of a twisted knee the week in the days leading up to Oakland. Uh, it's apparently a knee that he's previously injured twice uh, with ACL repairs being uh, uh, undertaken on that. He looks to be getting some more investigations on that. Uh, but he, I would suspect that, that Kyle is one of those guys that unless there's something majorly wrong there, he'll be riding through that injury, um, no doubt about it. And that information um, for us, thankfully, um, listening to some of the other media sources, we picked up on that one. So that was, I think it was either Vital, Racer X or the Pulp uh, MX post races, um, you know, videos and and podcast stuff there. So thanks to those guys for getting some information out of him. um, And that helps with our list being up to date. Jerry Robin, uh, number 97, Privateer Gas Gas, has been dealing with an issue for a few weeks now. Uh, we speak about it earlier in the show, but he's had his surgery uh, and he's on the recovery path from that removal of the screws and plates that have bent and become loose. So he should be good to go for the next West Coast round as well, which will be Seattle as well. Plenty of 250 guys on this list, guys and girls. There's heaps of them, unfortunately. Justin Starling, number 60, the privateer gas gas in the 450 class. Uh, he's crashing Tampa. His chin aspect seems to be getting better in the bru- in the black eye, but the twisted knee seems to be giving some grief. He wasn't able to get through Oakland very well either. Uh, probably getting more information on that as well in terms of scans, but I suspect unless there's something majorly wrong, he'll be trying to ride through as well um, with this remaining Supercross rounds here, which we've got, what, uh, 10, 11 to go, something like that. We've got an update on Cullen Park, number 67 from that Phoenix Honda. He got injured at that Tampa round. Uh, he had that shoulder injury. He confirmed with us that he was doing okay. He's ha- I've spoken to him this morning. He's going to be at Arlington this week, so looking good for him to be back. And hopefully, he probably won't be 
100%, but he'll be pretty damn close. Matthew Curler, number 958, a privateer. We were going to try and get Matthew an interview this week, but unfortunately when we were booked to do that, turns out he tried to ride the day before and his injuries might have been a little worse than he thought. He definitely thinks he's got a broken thumb. Uh, he was getting investigated at that point. He was at the emergency room, funnily enough. Uh, and at this stage, we haven't been able to catch back up with him, so we're not sure if he's had to have anything further done. But, yeah, unfortunately, he's going to be out for at least another six to eight weeks, depending on what they need to do with that uh, with that injury there. We'll get some more information and we'll try and catch up with Matthew here shortly. Still no information on Dylan Ferrandes, the number 14 from that Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha team. That concussion in Houston, uh, he has been out for a few weeks. Not sure if he is actually going to be back this week or not. We don't have that information to hand at this stage. Uh, like I said before, with the update with Styles, the Star Racing team doesn't usually bring out too much information on these guys At you know, from an injury status point of view. He'll either be there on the start line on the weekend or he won't be, and that's when we'll find out if he is or isn't in or out. So keep an eye on that one, guys and girls. If we hear anything sooner after this recording that we're doing it, we'll be putting it on our social media page. All right, rider Floyd, number 296, the privateer Yamaha rider, and he attempted to race Houston, wasn't able to get through it. He was using this gap between the, the East Coast rounds to try and get himself together. We expect him to be at Arlington, but we haven't got confirmation of that at this stage, uh, but we expect him to be there as well. Checked in with Devin Raper, number 447, on that privateer Kawasaki. He's been dealing with that nerve injury uh, from a crash in Houston in his arm. And look, Devon has had the few weeks off to recover between he took um, took Tampa off and he took off obviously Oakland and he's going to be back this weekend in Arlington. This is his hometown race. It's also his birthday today that we're recording it on. So, um, you know, happy birthday, Devon. But uh, hopefully he will be all good this weekend and just continue to work on his fitness and stuff now that he's sort of getting over this injury, hopefully. An update on TJ Albright, number 116, the privateer on a Yamaha. He was meant to start the East Coast season for the 250s in Houston, wasn't able to. He had a right knee injury uh, in the few days before Houston. We've spoken to him. He's aiming to be back in a few weeks' time in Indianapolis. So that'll be round nine. So it's about two to three weeks away. So hopefully he is all good by that point. Update finally on Marvin Muskan, the number 25 Red Bull KTM rider. He's apparently gone home to France to get treatment, and it turns out he has a broken scaphoid. Now, the scaphoid is one of those eight bones in your wrist that we were speaking about earlier with uh, Phil Nicoletti's injury. It's the main one, but so this scaphoid is a problem. It only gets blood supply from one end, and it takes a generally a lot longer to heal. And apparently from the information on Marvin at this stage that's been released, he has a, had a previous wrist injury that prevents him, at least in the, the, the surgeon that he saw, the advice was that it would not be a good idea to try and have more surgery on this wrist just to let it na heal naturally. So that would mean that this is at least an eight-week recovery time frame for Marvin, which basically is going to spell the end of his Supercross season. So not the greatest of news, but you'll have to keep an eye on that one because if that healing process, because of that one end blood supply does not happen he may still be forced to have surgery later on and that won't be found out for a month or so so it could be a bit of an extended period for marvin and this is sort of the end of his career here um he's getting towards the tail end of it whether this might be the thing that tips him into it or not we'll, we'll wait and see on how that goes hopefully not we want to see him out a few more times but uh yeah this one's going to take a little while unfortunately for marvin 
Lewis Macias, uh, the 259 we had on the uh, show a couple of weeks ago now. He's from the privateer paddock. He had those few broken ribs and a lacerated lung and a pneumothorax. We said at the time he'd be six weeks recovery time. He's been exactly six weeks. He's back on the bike this week and he'll be getting ready to go uh, here in a couple of weeks' time. So good to see him back in a, back up and, a, and on the track again. And Scott Meshi, number four, one, one, that injury, he's a privateer, the injury at Anaheim, one with the two metacarpal breaks in his right hand. Again, he is that rider at that mark at six weeks. I think he's been riding this week. We're looking for him to be back either this weekend or next in Daytona. So keep an eye out for Scott Meshi here shortly. All right, that is the emergency department update this week. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. And we'll take a quick break here on the show, but we'll be back with our interview with Carter Stevenson. Hi, this is Dylan Woodcock, riding for All South CMH Stunt Flying Privateer Team, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Cheers, mate. All right, joining us on the podcast today uh, for the Always Moto podcast, he's a privateer um, out of uh, Florida at the moment, but uh, he's uh, trying to make his way back for some, from some injuries. It's number 824 of Carter Stevenson. How are we doing, Carter? Hey, what's up, guys? I'm, I'm good, man. I'm... Uh... Another day in the life down here in the Sunshine State. <laughs> it is the Sunshine State from what I'm told. I've never actually been to Florida, but um, yeah, you guys obviously what? get some decent weather down there. No, I've been to, I've been to America heaps. Man. I've never made it to Florida. So I'm, it's on the list, but I, I haven't got there. So yeah, but you guys get some All pretty right. good weather for riding we're, we're and some good, pretty good uh, facilities down that way. And, and yeah, you've been out of the sandbox a few times by the sounds of it. And obviously that's where one of your injuries has happened at. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. That's uh, that's the most recent injury, um, late late twenty twenty one, um, and it it's it's really taken most of twenty twenty two to really get healthy. And I mean, even man, even even late like August, it it just was tough getting back on the bike and and feeling like I was actually full swing. So. We, kind of I, I like to say i'm back at it now and and uh i think it's as good as it's gonna get so no excuses well your injury is pretty like that elbow injury is pretty significant and and as we we're talking before we hit record here you're saying like it's a very similar injury to what kenny had at the elbow um and you've actually been able to compare that being being a rider out of the sandbox with him there at one point by the sounds of it so but like it's a serious injury for you and yeah you probably will have some limitations you know moving forward um, right. for, forever to some degree but you're also telling us that you went back to work pretty early on in all this too so like you haven't really slowed down too much with with the injury like you've still been a, a working man a family man and and trying to return to supercross it's it's all still going reasonably well for you considering the injury definitely man definitely it's uh it's been pretty interesting honestly uh like i was saying i got hurt december I think it was December 2nd or 3rd of the, of 2021. So it's very end of 21, um, going into 22, I was actually testing the race bike for 20, the, the 450 race bike for 22. And, um, so is what it is, but I think January 11th, I ended up, I ended up getting this, getting this job that I'm, that I'm at right now currently. And so, um around the just before i actually uh, got hurt i found out i was gonna be a dad so <laughs> it was um it was it was news that i was super stoked for but at the same time you know with great news you know 
comes great responsibility, man. Yes, so very there's, much so. <laughs> there's, it's definitely, you know, it, was, it immediately um, isn't about me anymore, you know. So, <laughs> but um, so honestly, it wasn't racing just wasn't first anymore. You know, it was kind of, it was kind of about making sure that, uh, that the family's taken care of. And of course that's, that's always right there on the list, but, but, um, for for every racer, it's a lot easier to be selfish when you don't have the, have the little one. So as soon as the little one was in the picture and then as soon as I got hurt, it was like, all right, hold up, hold up. I need to, I need to reevaluate kind of where my gears are at. So so I kind of changed gears and um, buckled down. I'm a project manager down here in, in Florida, um, renovating multifamily complexes and whatnot. And so doing um, about 300 apartment renovations a year. And so we're just plugging away and, and just making money, man. And, and uh, <laughs> it's, the, it's, the nine to five, it's the nine to five grind to an extent, I should say. So how does a man like you fit in time to hit the gym or go for a cycle or even just get the bike in the in the van or the truck and and get to the track for an hour or two? How do you fit that in? Oh <laughs> uh, man, usually it's um, usually it's I, I'm 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 loading the bike up between ten and midnight at night and then uh, and then I'm out I'm out the next day at at 6 a.m heading to the heading to the job site and i'm there at i mean i'm there at about seven and then um i try to put in some different hours than everybody else and and honestly my uh my boss is pretty cool so he knows you know if i if i put in my hours i walk my units and and uh i make sure that my guys are taken care of and they're on the up and up everybody knows what they're taking care of for the day um, I can, I, I've, I've been known to, to maybe slip away a time or two and to, <laughs> and to go put some of those in. So, um, luckily my, my job sites in the past, this past year have been, um, in Orlando and there's Orlando MX and then there's spider MX. Um, so, and then, and then if you go a little bit past Orlando MX, there's, uh, another track called Pax track. So, about about 30 minutes but between 30 minutes an hour so maybe maybe between 11 and 2 p.m i can scoot away and i can go put in two or three motos and um so honestly throughout the year i've i've probably ridden man probably 20 probably 20 times since i've been cleared uh from my elbow which i was cleared in early march of 22 wow so I've, I've probably, I've probably ridden about 20 times or so. And so like I got told, like I got told you before, uh, we hit record. Um, I got cleared early March and I was supposed to be cleared middle of February and it took a little bit longer. Um, doctor cleared me middle of March or early March. And then, um, I was going to go race some supercross on the two fifty, mm-hmm. and I just, really wasn't ready and so i hadn't i hadn't really been cycling i hadn't really been um just grinding and so uh, like i was telling y'all we had knew we had a baby on the way and so all of our family all of our friends are all up in missouri so we were going to have a baby shower in missouri and um so we're going back anyways we're going to make the the, it's about an 18 hour drive from where i live and so we were going to make the drive and I was like, you know what? Why don't I just put the 450 in the back and we'll just race St. Louis the day before. So why not? <laughs> I went and raced St. Louis. 
And, uh, yeah, I went and raced St. Louis with only riding the bike twice. Um, I'd only been on the bike twice, just riding some outdoor since I had gotten hurt in December. And, um, and I qualified 41st there. So I was like, all right, well, when it kind of, when it kind of started coming time to think about the 2023 season, I was like, it, do I hang it up, you know, and, or do I, do I keep racing? Do I, do I keep, keep making it fun, keep showing up and keep having a blast. And so, um, I looked, I looked back at, well, you were on the bike twice, literally twice in four months time and showed up and qualified 41st in the 450 class. Why not? So I'm like, let's, let's ride a few times. Let's, let's get it going. And so we put a program together for, uh, 2023, uh, LA wraps, Stallman power sports, WebNX services, Art of Lighting, Mauro Costa, Premier Power, CF Golf Carts, uh, man, Works Wheels and Mods, Shades of Grey. Honestly, those those people right there all put together, all helped me put together a solid program, a solid bike. Um, and they're just helping me go racing where it's not all about money. I'm not, I'm not losing money going racing. All these guys are helping me, um, get to each round and whatnot. And so, yeah, I have a great job. Yeah. I, um, can pay the bills and whatnot, but honestly, Supercross, man, it, it, it breaks people, man. It breaks pockets. And so <laughs> for me, dude, for me, it's just not fun. You know, at the end of the night, just only thinking about, man, how much money did I make or lose? And so, uh, just, just taking the money out of the equation, you know, having some, having a solid foundation behind me and, and, um, having these, having these local companies help me out in, in a big way, um, making me zeroed out when I'm walking the track, you know, I'm walking the track and I don't have any money that's flowing out of my pocket yet. And so, um, unless I'm breaking parts or something like that, you know, then I have money to money to deal with. And so, it's uh it's been an awesome thing and i'm i'm just excited to, to keep building round by round for the for the whole east coast season so you're just doing the east coast on the 450 at this point in time that's what you can afford to get to i gather for sure so the the idea was actually to do the uh, east coast in the 20 in the 250 class and uh actually actually blew a motor up it didn't even fully blow up uh i actually just uh, spun a camshaft on a on a, on my 250 motor yep. on the Tuesday before Tampa, and yeah, so fantastic. it was. And that's the that's the only 250 I have. So it was it was kind of the predicament it was in. It was really either go go grab a new one uh, from the dealership and ride a bone stock bike, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with a pipe on it, yep. or or go go 450. So 450 was the move, and and honestly right now it looks like that'll it'll stay the move for for uh supercross this year yeah okay so go back to that uh, that elbow injury and, and unfortunately that 2021 year because you said as well uh that you managed to have a, a wrist fracture earlier in the year and then obviously get back on the bike look to be getting ready for for um supercross again and then do the elbow and the elbow is obviously significant yep. I, I was reading through your old post and the x-ray that you had up on on instagram and you got the whole terrible triad going on there with a with a bunch of yep. things. So tell us about how how yeah. that injury affects you because you said too you're a bit of a metal man now. I I won't I won't lie, man. Um, between 2021 was rough. Now that 
I, now that you, you put it in there, man, I didn't. Even, I don't even think about them being in the same year because, um, man, I felt I I had some surgery done uh, by my my surgeon in Missouri on my wrist, and um, when I got hurt in Indianapolis, so I got hurt in Indianapolis. Um, I think it was round three of Indianapolis. So round six of Supercross last year, um, and, or in 2021, excuse me, of, um, so I, I broke my radius and my ulna. So I fractured, I I broke both of them and, uh, and I got, I got it plate. I got my wrist plated, um, in Missouri. So I basically transferred, they set it in Indianapolis and then I went home, um, it's actually a pretty gnarly night, man. I I ended up getting my wrist set, and then at about midnight, um, obviously, you know, they give you a, a handful of painkillers when they're setting your wrist and yeah. everything like that. But I mean, honestly, I felt as straight as an arrow, and and um, I my dogs were actually in my van, and it was freezing that night. Like, I mean, it was, there was, there was snow on the ground and everything yeah. like that. And, and my van, my, my generator had shut off. So my, my dogs were freezing cold, man. And so, um, I, I felt terrible. Uh, so like, do my adrenaline was already going and I lived in St. Louis. So I was only about four or five or about four hours away. And so I just jumped in the, I jumped in the driver's seat and uh, of my sprinter van and and just deadheaded home oh wow at uh <laughs> yeah saturday, saturday night at like at like midnight well all and all the hotels were all the hotels downtown were all full all booked and everything so, so you i would have had to a have, kite on pain meds yeah. behind the wheel well, with some cold dogs nah, in the back no not at all that was like i said straight as an arrow like uh, sure, like yeah. i would put, i i actually I actually had to load my bike up myself. Oh um, shit! This is I an had, awesome story, I had, man. <laughs> I had, yeah, I had, I had someone. I had someone help me out. I had to. I had to load my bike in the snow. Um, I had one one guy help me out because he saw I was trying to do it by myself. And um, my my girls my girls helping me. Mackenzie was Mackenzie was doing the majority of it, and so. Man, it was a nightmare, but I mean, all of that was going so much. I mean, I was, I was already just rocking and rolling. I'd already, I'd, I had to drive somewhere because all the hotels right around the stadium were all full. So I would have had to have driven somewhere outside of the city, anyways. And uh, man, I, I once I got on the highway to get out, I was like, let's just get home, you know? What I mean? <laughs> let's let's rip. So. So I drove all the way home that night, but the whole problem was the very next day I was in severe pain. You know, obviously I just had my wrist set and I had two, I had two different wrist fat fractures and, um, and I, and I had scheduled for surgery, but you know, surgery wasn't for like another two days and they had, um, prescribed me pain medicine. But like I said, I just jetted from the hospital and honestly, I I don't, I don't take pain pills like at all. I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, from, and it's just from how I was raised. Like I would just, I was just wasn't raised to take Tylenol or ibuprofen or anything. It's yeah. just not, it's like a go-to. And so when it comes to like real pain meds, um, my mom actually worked in like a prevention field for the state of Missouri for, for years and years and years. And so real pain meds, like my family really doesn't mess with those. And so, um, for me, 
getting those pain meds that night, Saturday night was not on my mind whatsoever. You know, I was worried about my dogs. I was worried about finding somewhere to sleep that night. And, um, basically I got home to Missouri and I called, you know, the local Walgreens to try to fill my prescription. And the lady tells me, Oh, well, that's a, that's an out of state. Um, that's an out of state prescription. I can't fill that in Missouri. That's, that's an, that's only for Indiana. So basically, basically, yes, no pain meds. Um, and so basically the only way for me to get prescribed pain medicine again was to go to the hospital again and basically be seen. And so I went, I had to go back to the hot. I actually didn't even go all day Sunday and I didn't go till, I didn't go till like 4am Monday morning. Um, when I just, I hadn't slept at all since I literally, since I literally drove home, um, that, that when I drove home and I got home, I slept, uh, between like 3am and like seven or 8am. So I got like four or five hours of sleep. And then that sleep was the only sleep I got until like for the next like 48 or like 72 hours. And so then, yeah, it was gnarly. So then I ended up going back to the, to the hospital uh, at like 4 a.m. Monday morning. And, um, and basically, basically I, I came home from, so I lived in St. Louis. My parents lived in Rollo. It's about two hours away from there. So when we got to St. Louis, um, Sunday morning, we ended up going to my mom's house. Me and me and my girlfriend went to my mom's house to just hang out there. So I could just kind of get the ultra care just from (laughs) both ends of it and everything. And, and honestly, and honestly, I was having the surgery I was having was in Columbia, Missouri, which was another like two hour hike, um, opposite way of, of Rolla. So even further. So it was about, it basically was bridging the gap. So I was just, we were just going there and uh, her whole family lives there, all that jazz. So yeah. um, basically, I went to my hometown hospital on Monday morning at 4 a.m., you know, when I was wincing in pain. Well, my town ever drug you want to name, man, every single one of them, right? They looked at me like I was, um, like I was, like I was seeking pain pills like i was seeking pain medicine but the fact of the matter was is i had a i had a broken sternum i had three broken ribs and i had two broken bones in my wrist and i was needing surgery on my wrist and and i hadn't taken pain medicine in almost like 60 hours at that point and so 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 then basically they looked they they gave me some pain medicine and it and it worked for for a little bit and then basically it was gone so and at at like so they sent me home so then at um was this you know 5 a.m monday morning or something so at like 7 a.m i mean the walgreens didn't even open till like nine yeah at like seven i'm i'm dying in pain and so i'm like I wish I wouldn't have gone back, but I went back and, um, this lady, basically they just looked at me like I was like, I was a drug addict and I was just like, I was like, I don't think you understand. And she, she pretty much just gave me the run around and whatnot. And I'm just like, please, you don't, you don't know me. And like, 
it's people just don't even understand, man. You know, you don't, I don't need to tell someone that I'm, that I'm a professional athlete for you to treat me a certain type of way. You know, if I have five broken bones in my body, you know, just, just help me, you know? And so it was bad. It was a bad ordeal. And, and, um, finally end up getting surgery on, on my wrist and my wrist was super solid. End of, end of, uh, 2021, I started riding again. And then, yeah, I got hurt in uh, December of 2022 and had the terrible triad to my elbow. And that's not a, that's not a simple injury either. Like, how did, the, how did the pain meds go at that point? Were you able to get them? Did you have a better process this time? Yeah, on, honestly, uh, it, was, it was a state in Florida and whatnot. I've, I've already been already transferred all my stuff down here and whatnot, so... Um, with the elbow, I think, I, I think I honestly just didn't get top of the line surgery. I think, I think my, and which I don't even know, but I know for a fact that my surgeon in Missouri was, um, he was, a, he was an athlete, athletic surgeon for Mizzou football. Yep. And so he worked on, he worked on athletes. And so, but down here in Florida, I just don't think, I, I don't think I got that that care that I got in Missouri. And honestly, I don't know if it was just being in the same arm, same year. I don't know what it is, but I think, man, after I had that elbow injury, it feels like everything in my right arm is so much more compressed. Um, but honestly, it felt like it, it felt like it worsened my, my wrist injury. So, well, yeah, like you, you've broke that head of the radius there um, up at the elbow, which is a part impact impacts your, your turning of your hand for your supination and pronation, your hand over and hand down to open a door sort of thing. So yeah. it's all linked, unfortunately. So, yeah, you will have some impacts on both of those. It bring it brings back the impact of the of the wrist fracture from a few months earlier. So it's um yeah, yeah. unfortunately, a, a, a joining point there for you. So it sucks. But um. You were also talking about that elbow, but like the fact that it dislocated, the, the the gnarly part about you had to go through a few efforts before they figured out they couldn't put it back in straight away. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of there's some there's some funny parts of that one too. I should uh, I sh- I'm outside in the garage right now, just hanging out. I should pull Mackenzie out here and have her tell that. But <laughs> so the it's it's a it's a pretty interesting one. So basically, when when my elbow happened. Um, I was out at Sandbox, um, happened in, uh, happened in a beefy set of whoops. And, um, basically, obviously instead of waiting for a, for an ambulance or something, we just hopped in my sprinter van. <laughs> I have my, I have my girlfriend drive. Yeah. Um, actually, luckily that was actually her f- second time coming to Sandbox. Um, and cause she had been working full time at the time as well. And so, she hadn't really been able to be my wingman and, and kind of, you know, be there every day. And so it was, we were stoked that, you know, she got to come to the track and everything. And then, and then boom, I ended up getting hurt. Mm. And, um, luckily I had her there and I just hopped in the, I hopped in the passenger. She hopped in the driver. We went to the local hospital here in Claremont and, um, there, I don't know, man. It, there, it's mixed opinions about about this hospital. You hear it one way, you hear it the other, and so 
you know, not to trash talk anybody or any establishment or anything, but, you know, their practices aren't so great if you ask most people. And so basically they're like, oh, yeah, it's just dislocated, which is uh, which is what Ken said right before I left the track. Ken, Ken kind of looked at it and he's like, oh, yeah, it's just dislocated, bub. You'll be all right. And so <laughs> I'm like, you know, fingers crossed cross you know kenny's right yeah, dr so ken roxon's on the job yeah that'll be good yep yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he like feels it through the jersey and he was like oh yeah just located you'll be all right and then you know turns out that but basically that's what they thought at claremont as well at the claremont hospital they you know they uh x-rayed it and they're like oh yeah just dislocated all right so let's uh you know so basically they sedated me so they gave me um man i wish i knew exactly what what it was they gave me as much as propofol i believe oh yeah okay. they gave me as propofol as as they basic as much as they could i don't know if that was according to my like body weight or or my bmi or anything it's usually along or, those or if lines, that yeah. i figured it was but basically they said they could give me the like the most they possibly could so they basically knocked me out Mm -hmm. and you know i i didn't remember the first the first tug well i the first main one they do the first two i should say so the first one they did they started they started yanking on my arm while i was out and so but i was also i was still conscious you know but i'm out and so basically they started yanking on my arm and i've been i end up biting the doctor (laughs) and you bit the doctor that's awesome (laughs) yeah so i end up biting the doctor on the first go around right and so because they they had one person holding me and so then like holding me from the side and then um so then the guy who starts to yank and i end up i'm like ah i'm yelling i end up biting the guy i end up biting the doctor and so they basic for the second one they they called they called like 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 two more people in so there was three people holding me down and then there was one then there was one doctor holding my arm and so basically there was one one person on each side of me and then and then the third one laid on top of me and uh, I was telling you about my dogs earlier. Yeah. Well, my my boy dog, his name's Cash, and he's like, he's a he's a big golden doodle. He's like sixty five pounds or so. Mm. And uh, when the do- when the third guy laid on me, uh, and they're trying to set my arm, I was I was cussing at him, and I was saying, "Get the f off me, Cash!" And I'm I'm kicking, and I'm trying to get this guy dog. off, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was knocked out. Yeah, I was conscious. And so he's like, get off my, get off me cash. And so, um, yeah, I thought it was my dog and whatever. And so then the third one, so then basically it didn't work. Right. And so then I'm just, I'm sitting there and the, and the medicine wears off, you know, the propofol is not, it's like, a, it's very quick, yeah, sure, you know, it's acting, not, yeah. like a long, right. And so basically, you know, it wore off, wore off after, I don't know how long it lasts, you know, probably 10, 20 minutes or something. And so basically, um, they're like, well, let's give it a go again. And I'm like, all right, well, they're like, they're like, do you, do you want some pain medicine? I'm like, well, just, and I like, just, I mean, go for it. I mean, if you're going to set it, let's just set it. And so, so, um, they start pulling on it they're yanking on it and I'm like, Argh! but you know, I'm able to kind of grit my teeth through this one. And, uh, you know, I actually know what's going on and, and, um, and, you know, I got to laugh with them about what happened and whatnot and, and, uh, you know, tell them sorry and stuff like that. <laughs> and he showed me the bite mark and everything. And so, 
but and if so, the third one didn't work. So then the fourth one, they they um, I'm they're like, well, let's get a stronger man. dude. They're like, let's get a stronger guy to pull on it, man. So they so they so two of the guys swap and and they start pulling on it. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, stop, 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 stop. And I'm like, I'm like, some you know, something's not right you know after after you guys tug on this thing four different times you know two times when i'm completely out two times when i'm i'm conscious i'm like this thing's not going back something's wrong yeah and they're like yeah well let's do another x-ray or, or they said or, well they were like let's do it one more time and i was like no i was like no i was like no 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 no, no, no. so they were gonna go a fifth time and i was like no no chance and so yeah, basically, I was like, let's do another. I I suggested another X-ray, and because um, at that point it was just me and my girlfriend there, and so I mean, I'm I'm just I'm just going off what I think is the best thing to do, and I'm like, you guys need to check me out again. Yeah. And so they gave me another X. They gave me another X-ray, and they're like, yeah, sure as hell. There's a there's a bone fragment in there. So basically, oh, the radial tip. Yeah, the radial tip was in the nook of my elbow. And they were there was just no chance of that elbow going back because the the whole nook was filled with the radial tip. So, so tell me you're uh, never going to, back to Clement Hospital again. I gather that scarred you for life. <laughs> I can tell you for a fact that when my girlfriend gave birth to to our baby girl in June. She did not give birth at Claremont Hospital, correct? <laughs> she, she's scarred too. Yeah, she's never going near it. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's like, oh, hell no. She's like, no way, no chance. So, oh, good times. So, 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 man, like I said, I don't want to bash any establishment, but man, like I... I wish I wish doctors would open their eyes sometimes and and when something doesn't work like that, you know, you're not gonna force a body back together and so it's I, mean, I guess sometimes you are, don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, that that's that's a bad one. I'm surprised you let them have four goes. I know you stopped them at five, but I'm surprised you got that far. I probably would have had two and that would have been me. So yeah, geez, that's that's rough. I don't know. Do, do your thing you know i don't know i, I can't i can't pull my own arm and back into place so mm. let's get it let's get it rocking and you know what i mean and so but at one point i'm just like goodness this thing is not this thing isn't just popping back in place so, so let's let's figure out what's wrong right now so that yeah, radio head for wild, you so. is now a piece of metal you said and it's basically got a, an allen key head bolt in it and that's that's what it is yep Yep, I th- I'm ready to loosen that thing up too. I'm ready to. I think it's tight, man. I can't. If I uh, if I make like a, if I make a, f- I just open my hand all the way up and I try to bring my elbow back and make my thumb touch my shoulder. Yeah. I cannot touch it at all. All right. I'm about. Yeah. I'd say I'm about three three inches away. So um it's it's a little bit tough as far as um, my my range of motion out is is about 95 percent or so it's pretty much fully there yeah but my range of motion back is is pretty bad and so do you notice that um, on the bike push-ups dude honestly on the bike is is where i seem to notice it the least in my entire life it's it's actually pretty crazy when i ride um, and maybe, maybe I compensate for it and I just don't necessarily feel that or notice it. But, 
uh, honestly, I have, I have a ton of pain in my elbow through my like daily life. And then when I'm riding, don't think about it, notice it whatsoever. And so, um, man, it's a, it's a beautiful therapy. That's for sure. Well, it's obviously distracting everything from you while you, you're not focused on it, you know, like you normally would be because you, you're concentrating on the next right. route, the next jump. I've got my grip on this on, you know, my feet are in contact with the pegs here and I've, you know, body position there. So you're just not paying attention to it, which might be the therapy you need just to let it go away for a minute, you know? Totally. Yeah, that's, it honestly is, it is what the, I mean, it is the perfect therapy, honestly. And so, uh, man, that's, that's what I, that's what I share with people though, too, is dirt bikes honestly have been, for me, have been always been my outlet in life and whatnot. And so I think that, um, man, it is a beautiful therapy for sure super easy hop on a dirt bike and and uh let it rock and roll i'm checking out i'm, I'm staring at my 1994 uh cr500 right now and, oh. and all i gotta do is all i gotta do is put the carburetor back together and pop it on and and uh this thing's ready to start so i've got a fresh rebuild and oh man and, i can uh, see dude, some just, pretty sweet instagram videos coming from you in the, in the next few weeks then if you've oh, got yeah. a cr500 sitting in the garage ready to rock that's awesome <laughs> yep yeah, 1994, man, and and um, yeah, my my hometown shop, uh, Stallman Power Sports. The the general manager, Ethan, he bought a 2003 KX500, and and I was riding that back in. That's actually what made me get back into racing and riding, man. Is um, so I quit when I was 16, and and um, I was I was running my I was running my dad's construction company full time. My dad moved to Florida. And, uh, I was, I was running his business and uh, I was running a crew there in Missouri. And, uh, when I was 17, uh, I graduated from high school a little bit early and, uh, was making, was making my own money and everything. And so Ethan talked me into getting a Kawasaki and, uh, signing a Kawasaki demo deal. And so basically I just signed away and, and, you know, came and picked up a bike and then, about a month after I got that bike and started riding again, um, he bought a he bought that 03 KX500 and and uh, basically just offered it up for me to ride. And uh, we did the suspension on it, and I went and I went and jumped the leap like up at Redbud. Oh, and nice. um, <laughs> yeah, man. And then we I did a video I did a video with Brett Q. Um, Man, it's a, if you haven't seen that, you got to go check it out. It's called The Beast, uh, KX500 on YouTube. And it's on uh, BQ365, Brett Q, Instagram, or uh, his YouTube page. I think I've me. seen that. I don't <laughs> think I realized that it's you until you're saying this now. But I think I've seen that video. Because yeah. I watched a few of Brett Q's stuff in, in the, you know, over the past few years and stuff. So, yeah, I think I've seen that. Yeah, yeah but if you, if you see a KX500 ripping on there. That's you. Doing some... <laughs> doing some op doing some oppos it's definitely me yeah. so um, <laughs> i'm going back to find that after I, we hang up so yeah <laughs> dude please but it's uh that basically man i started riding that 500 and i i just fell in love again honestly i just fell in love with riding and um <clears throat> excuse me and actually at redbud i uh there was a pro-am the day after the national and um i didn't even i didn't have my pro license or anything and so I signed up in, in 450A on Sunday for the amateur class, and I whole-shotted the, the, 
the pro class and jumped a leap on the first lap and uh, threw a one-hander over it. And I, I think I got second that moto on the on the KX500. And so it was, um, I mean, I rode that 500 for like six months straight. And I remember one day, one day I rode it at a two-stroke, um, a two-stroke only race. And that morning, the uh, foot peg fell off. Oh. And then, and then, um, something else happened that day as well, uh, later in the day. And, and I remember I put it on the stand after that and Ethan, the, the guy whose bike it was, I was like, like dude, I got to quit riding this thing. And he was like, why is that? And I said, cause I'm, I'm, I said, look what I'm doing to it. You know, this thing was, this thing was damn near brand new. And I was like, I'm beating this thing up. And I was like, I, I got to quit riding it. And from, from that day, I started looking for, I started looking for a 500 and I bought a, I bought a CR 500 that the next year after that. So oh, man. it's That's- kind of been hanging out in my garage and collecting dust. Actually, Brett Q blew it up in, in 2000. So I wrote it, I wrote it twice and then I let Brett come ride it and he blew it up and uh, it's been, it's been sitting in my garage for like three years and I finally rebuilt it um just this past like three months ago so it's time to time to fire it up have some fun well yeah i look forward to the videos on that one man that's going to be awesome but um yeah look it's nice to nice to hear these crazy stories that us moto guys go through especially with the medical field you've obviously had your fair share of um shit shows in the medical realm from what you've just gone through and Look, it's awesome that you share that with the <laughs> listeners on the Always Moto podcast, and we really appreciate that sort of stuff because it just makes everybody understand what you guys go through to get to the next race. You know, like you're always, everyone seems to have that passion, and you like that. That what you're just talking about there with the, the 500 is a clear passion for the sport. It just means that you know, unfortunately, the injuries that go along with it sometimes slow that slow us down just a tiny bit. But uh, you're always, everyone's always coming back. It seems so. It's good to see you back at the races this year. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. I, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on and, and uh, just just chatting and whatnot, man. Even even podcasts aside, you know, it's just fun sharing some laughs and, and uh, sharing some sharing some memories too. Honestly, some of those some of those details, I don't even think about some of that stuff and, and uh, you know, you start you start poking around and asking some questions and man, it is super funny. Uh, just thinking back at at honestly how many hoops and hurdles that i have had to jump through just being hurt and trying to get healed up and whatnot yeah it's a it's a massive process and we all have those little funny moments in those those medical stories because something always happens to us when we have a, when we have a crash and you end up in the ambulance or something always something funny happens <laughs> and it's always nice you don't realize it until you start in the middle of a story and you're like Oh yeah, this happened, and this is shit funny, you know. And it, it comes out in the in the yep. in the podcast, and it's nice to hear that for everybody else. And yeah, like I've got a bunch of those sorts of things too, and I will have to share them with you one day as well. But um, yeah, look, it's, it's awesome to chat to you, man. Thanks for the time on the show, and um, look, we'll try and catch up with you. I'm hoping to be in in the states later this year. I'm going to catch a couple of nationals, so um, maybe we'll see you around at one of those. All right. It sounds like a plan, man. Well, let's let's get together, and uh, I got a few extra bikes. So if you wanna oh, you wanna yeah. do some riding, let me know what sizes and stuff. We'll we'll get some gear lined out, man, and we'll and we'll do some riding in the Sunshine State for sure. Oh man, I think that's a that's an invite I'm gonna have to take up at some point. So <laughs> sounds good, man. Thanks that's again, good. Carter. Yes, sir. You got my number, man. Thank you so much for having me on. No worries. Thank you.
Hey, what's up, guys? It's Scott Meshi, number 411, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. Welcome back, guys and girls. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto Podcast. Now, let's jump into this little uh, quick product inspection highlight we're going to do weekly here on the Always Moto Podcast. This week's product, it's actually a Barkbuster handguard. It's a VPS MX handguard. I've been using Barkbuster handguards uh, for about 15 years now, maybe a bit longer, I think. I can't remember exactly, but I've been using them for a long time um, as a protection mechanism for my hands. Not so much for the fact of how they look or that they're, they're extremely sexy and colorful or you can add more logos to your bike because there's more, more flat area. Um, all those things are positives. But I use them as per usual with most of the stuff that you hear me talking about to prevent injury. Uh, these handguards obviously protect you from roost. They protect you from impacting trees if you're riding in the woods. Uh, and they also, just when you drop the bike or you impact another rider in a corner, they're protecting your hand because it's the plastic that's hitting first, not you and not jamming you know, the, the lever into your fingers as easily as they would uh, in between the bars without the handguard. So check out these handguards. They're super easy to install. They uh, you know, give a lot of protection. You don't even notice that they're on your bike after after the first ride, but they do make things look great. You can add some colors. They've got all different colors for all different makes and models. You can also go pink or you know white or whatever black that, that's you know to offset your bike if you wanted to do that as well. You can add extra pieces to these. They have some for the for winter time. You can do some wind deflectors to make the guard a little bit bigger and deflect the wind further away from your hands. But just protect your hands with some bark busters, guys. You can find out more about these bark busters and all the other. versions versions of because there's not just these VPS MX handguards they've got a whole range of handguards from the full wraparound uh, to different versions of these MX handguards as well so you can check them out at barkbusters.net that's b-a-r-k-b-u-s-t-e-r-s.net uh, and this VPS MX handguard starts from about $69.95. It's cheap insurance for your hands because as I say all the time on this show hashtag injuries are a part of moto all right um Let's get into our outro, guys and girls. Thanks for sticking around and being with us on this week's show. It's a great show. Good listening. Thanks to Carter Stevenson for that interview. It was awesome to hear his story there. And just, you know, as much as he's not one of the front-running guys, all these people that attend these AMA rounds trying to qualify, they have some exceptional stories that they, they need to be told so that you guys can hear them. And, and just understand what they go through to get to these events. It's not as simple as, you know, fly in, fly out, like the pros, the big, you know, the Tomax, the Roxons, all those sorts of people are doing. For these guys, it's it's a significant effort for them. And, and like you heard from Carter, he's working during the week and he's getting to the races still. So awesome interview. Thanks for Carter's time on the Always Moto podcast. But that's it. Um, Soon we'll be up and running uh, with our alwaysmoto.com site. But for now, please check out all our written articles and continue to be, we'll be always, we'll be on this site as well, uh, fullnoise.com.au. Make sure you send through your t-shirt order to info at alwaysmoto.com. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things injury in moto. Search Always Moto and then follow and subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. I made this F request on, on my social channel today, but if your podcast app allows whilst you're listening right now, stop, listen, pick it back up, get the brain reengaged. As soon as this podcast is over, leave us a rating on your podcast app. It'll be very much appreciated. Right. Thank you. Good. Now go do it. All right. But that's it. Thanks to Slantboard Slant Guy. Thanks to Polar Australia. Thanks to the Fantasy League sponsors, Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, 
Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia, and Bolt Everywhere. Thanks to the Always Motor Contractor. Thanks to you guys and girls for listening. And remember, you need to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic having strapping tape put wherever it will stick.